0: Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report. I'm Vago Moradian here in the British countryside at RAF Fairford for the annual Royal International Air Tattoo, one of the world's leading gatherings of air power leaders and airplanes from all around the world. Coincides with a conference of global air chiefs uh, and also a whole bunch of retired air chiefs here. Our coverage here is sponsored by Leonardo DRS and we're honored to have our first interview uh, with uh, the senior vice president for Airbus UK, Catherine uh, Bennett. Uh, thanks very, very much. You've been very busy. We we uh, had a little bit of a schedule challenge earlier because you're so busy, so we appreciate you taking time to speak with us.
1: Not a problem to do. And welcome to the show. It's great to be here. And the sun is shining still here in the British countryside. Yeah,
0: it, it absolutely is. Um, so I want to ask you, uh, part of the shining sun uh, uh, analogy, um, everybody has been working very, very hard to make sure that Brexit is an orderly process. Uh, and uh, CEOs of British Companies and European companies have tried to deliver the message to the government that look, let's negotiate this very carefully. Tom Enders uh, of uh, the CEO of Airbus, you know, has made it clear that look, if the terms aren't good, it, it, we have to just change industrial footprints here. If we don't have free and open and, and easy trade, um, you're a company that's you know part of Airbus. Tens of thousands of jobs in the country. Obviously, Filton, one of the most integral parts, uh, where the wings are made for Airbus aircraft, uh, for for a very, very long time. Talk to us a little bit from your perspective as you see that ebb and flow and the back and forth, even within the cabinet. What's the right approach for the government to have as it works a Brexit deal that satisfies the will of the people to an extent? Every MP I talk to talks about the vote. On the other hand, also makes and allows trade upon which the entire British economy is so dependent.
1: Well we felt as a company it was time to stand up and speak and say exactly how we feel a bad Brexit would affect our business. We published an extensive risk assessment which analysed all the implications of potential friction at the borders, of potential impact of our employees not being able to work across different countries and also things such as airworthiness and also topics such as the Galileo space project. So we have a number of issues which were hot for us. Now let's just get this clear, we've been talking to the government ever since the vote and actually pre-the vote as well so they understand how integrated European operations are to us so it's not like it was news to the government what we said, we just felt that the lack of certainty was causing us to need to stand up and say things. We had some key deadlines coming up and it will be towards the end of the summer we have to decide whether we need to instruct our suppliers to stockpile parts in order to ensure that our production lines up in North Wales don't come to a halt.
0: Um, And could, depending on the terms, could it be something that causes Airbus as a group to decide, look it's a very important market for us but if the costs and the complexities are too difficult You know, you guys have partners all around the world who are very eager to both build wings or uh, other components for you. Could that be a situation you see where, unfortunately, as an independent company with shareholders around the world, you're going to have to act in their interest as opposed to keeping facilities here in the UK?
1: I've got two points to make on that. One, our UK sites are one of the most productive and competitive in Europe. We designed and built great wings and great satellites, so we're in a good place. But the second point is that what Airbus said is if there's a hard Brexit, we will consider future investments. Now, as we speak today, we obviously had the statement made by the government as part of the Chequers announcement. We're looking at that. We're looking at the Brexit paper that was published by the government yesterday. And I have to say that we're cautiously optimistic about the things contained in that. But we appreciate the political process continues. Now, in terms of other countries, of course, other countries are potential places where investment could be made by Airbus and markets all around the world are key for us. In the US, we have a factory in Alabama. We're going to be building more in Alabama. But, and China and India as well have great capacity in aerospace and defense. But the, the key point is to ensure that our other European countries know how they could help this process as well because you're not going to have much of an aircraft without wings. <laughs>
0: That's right, as John Weston used to say, uh, without us it's just a, it's just a bus. Um... When, at the time, the, the BAE was uh, the partner in the Airbus uh, consortium that produced the wings uh, in, in Filton. Um, let me ask you about sort of your market projection. Um, on the one hand, you know, Britain does spend uh, 2%, President Trump very publicly is calling for people to increase uh, GDP defense spending of NATO nations to 4%, and there's debate whether or not that's even feasible, um, given the United States is, I think, around 3.1%. Um, UK has been very proud that it's at that one point nine almost two percent large percentage more than twenty percent goes to defense investment as you look at the UK market what's the projection is it possible to get to where Gavin Williamson and and his block uh, the defense secretary would like to see which is increased to three percent or do you think that it's going to be something that's going to be around two percent or as some people fear that Brexit will cause a contraction in the British defense budget as you look at it from a domestic standpoint given you're such an integral supplier whether on Eurofighter or a 400 M or on the uh, 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 MRTT, uh, the multi-role tanker uh, transport aircraft, the A330, you're an integral leading defense contractor in the UK. As you look at that budget, what do you see when you look at it?
1: Well, we're proud of the role the UK plays as part of European and global defense. And yes, I think it's important that our country continues to invest in that way and i do hope that yes it can increase but obviously that's a matter for gavin williamson to negotiate and you know the uk spends more than any other european nation um, on its gdp in terms of defense so i'm proud that my country does that but speaking on an airbus perspective This maybe goes back to what I was talking about earlier, European integration is important and we work across borders. Um, And maybe this is where the UK and with Brexit happening can play a leading role in terms of defense and security cooperation must continue.
0: Um, When you see the European market, where do you see the pockets of growth? You know, As you're working as an integrated group and hopefully we're gonna have an opportunity to talk to some um, uh, leaders from from Airbus headquarters as well uh, during the course of the air show, Talk to us a little bit about where you see those pockets, particularly as Airbus UK playing into that broader European market segment.
1: So maybe one of the aircraft to talk about here in answer to that question is to look at the A400M, the Atlas aircraft, which I was proud to see right at front and center when we had the royal family here this morning. Um, That aircraft has huge potential capacity for export. And that is where, again, the European governments and other governments who've bought the aircraft can really play a role. And the U.K. has great relationships all around the world, you know, in other Far Eastern markets, etc., who could be potential customers. Maybe even the U.S. we could tempt them. Um, so obviously security, big market for us. We are very much got a big business in our cyber capacity. And Airbus Helicopters, we're the biggest provider of commercial helicopters in the U.K. as well, which perhaps is a fact not so many people are aware of.
0: Um, let me take you uh, to um, a very uh, prominent um, um, what folks thought was going to be a competitive process. Some news reports suggest that uh, the Royal Air Force and or the UK is going to acquire uh, the E-7 Wedgetail aircraft from Boeing that was cooperatively developed with Australia uh, and Turkey were original partners on that. Uh, there are folks who discuss sort of you know, to a degree, a potential quid pro quo, or at least perhaps a link between the A26, uh, the, F, uh, the Type 26 frigate, uh, which Australia acquired, and then that aircraft. Um, any, any sense where you're playing on that? Because that's certainly, a, uh, 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 the E3 Sentry replacement for the AWACS replacement was something that Airbus was interested in. What Can you give us a little bit of insight about what's going on and what your expectations are and how you guys are pushing back potentially on that decision?
1: I mean, all I can comment is, you know, I've read the uh, media coverage on that as well, which has been quite interesting over the last few days, and and something that's been developed and discussed in recent weeks. Um, Airbus has a very competitive offering in that segment, working with Saab, and we're obviously in discussion with the government about that.
0: Um, Is there any sort of disquietude? Because you could argue um, that from an Airbus perspective, the Airbus, Airbus did rescue to a degree um, or or resolve a key pressure point for the government given Theresa May's coalition is in office because of Northern Ireland votes, but because of Boeing pressure on Bombardier, um uh, Bombardier has the shorts facility which is in Belfast, which is you know, is, is there is there any sort of um you know frustration perhaps from an airbus perspective that it it looked like perhaps the British government may be going down this road without you guys being part of that deliberation and discussion
1: I mean you describe a very complicated chess game there and I'd like to say maybe in answer to that national security and defense is a bit more sophisticated than that and and national decisions are a matter for national governments. But yes, we're very proud of the work we've done with Bombardier and just last week we finally closed the deal and we now have this new Airbus aircraft, the A220, which we're very proud is going to be shown at Farnborough next week.
0: And uh, has has already uh, landed landed some some orders as as well. Um, Let me ask you um, a defense uh, industrial strategy question. Um, The government is is focused uh, on that. Um, philip Dunn, the former minister for defense procurement now of course at the health department uh, has uh... done a study that looks at the industrial aspects um, talk to us a little bit about you know at a time when governments around the world are thinking about industrial strategy what what kind of industrial strategy from your perspective does the u.k. need bearing in mind brexit bearing in mind trade tensions and tariffs and i want to ask you about that about potential implications for your business as well but talk to us about that piece of of where you want if the UK does strike an industrial strategy. What kind of industrial strategy does it need?
1: I'm pleased to hear you ask me that question because maybe Brexit has rather consumed a lot of oxygen in public policy thinking in recent years and months. Um, But industrial strategy is a very, very strong thing that I regularly talk to my CEO about, about the way the UK wants to focus. So yes, the Philip Dunn report was very interesting. We know him well, we worked with him, we gave him a lot of input. We had some ideas to give him in terms of observations we'd seen on joint procurement exercises which maybe could have been done in a slightly different way. And we're continuing to work on that. And there will be some more announcements coming out in the next few days uh, in terms of working together on skills and technology cooperation in, this, in the space and defense sector. So I applaud that. And we're working on with the government on all those kinds of activities, whether it's research and technology or future defense um, procurement, yes.
0: Uh, and let me ask you a last question, because I know you've got to get, uh, get, back, to, get back to all of your guests uh, here. Um, how does the tariffs impact and the trade war that's emerged between the united states and europe potentially affect your business particularly here in the uk given you know that you know the the president used steel and aluminum tariffs eu has responded uk is still part of the eu so that's uh, still part of for that sort of tit for tat Uh, now we also look there's a trans-pacific trade war that's going on with china from the standpoint of a company that uses enormous amount of materials uh, and goods how does this affect your business dynamic?
1: The tariffs on aluminum is not an issue for us because we don't procure that much. Um, We're obviously working closely with the European Union colleagues on that. Um, I think trade wars aren't good for any kind of sector, whether you're aerospace or automotive or pharmaceutical or even running a local newsagent down the road here in Wiltshire. It's not good. It's perhaps not a good trade. And I do hope that perhaps people can get back round a table and start talking serious politics and economics for the benefit of the globe.
0: Catherine Bennett, Senior Vice President, Airbus UK, the person who heads up Airbus UK. Thank you so much for all your time. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. Nice to meet you.